So I better get away, better make it today. I've cut 23 down since Friday. But I, I, I can't control it. My face is drawn, my instinct still emotes it. Sean, I'm not sure if you ever met me before, but I'm a little, when it comes to certain topics, I'm a little over-opinionated. It's hard for me to restrain myself and act like a normal person with reasonable values and thoughts and considerations. David Bowie is by far my all-time favorite. Mm -hmm. Am I saying he's the greatest of all time? Absolutely not. Is he my favorite of all time? It's not close. You know, and you know how I feel about some other bands and some other artists. But David Bowie is singular, right? And today is the seventh anniversary of his passing due to cancer. Seven years uh, I, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, like time, in the words of another one of my heroes, Steve Miller, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Although my friend Kevin likes to remind me, no, it's actually going into the past, Brian. Uh, it's all an illusion. Everything's an illusion. <laughs> it's the Brian Oak Show, episode 290, which is also sort of an unfathomable unfathomable number is that how many millions of miles away you know alpha centauri is it is exactly how many miles away that's why this is a great podcast about science thanks for joining us everyone <laughs> my name is brian Oak. It is, we are in the smart start mn studios we are at 48th in chicago or very near there by places like the parkway and turtle bread and What's that coffee shop over there? Common Grounds? Sovereign Grounds. Sovereign Grounds. Thank you very much. Very nice owners who made it through the pandemic. Everybody around here is great. And we, we, we do this in a great neighborhood. And we do it in an incredible place. Thanks to... You know, we've had a couple of new Patreon members sign on in the last couple of weeks, which being a three-year-old podcast, I was kind of surprised. So that means the pressure's on for a big springtime bacchanalia for our Patreon members, right? I love the idea of that bacchanalia. <laughs> you quit drinking a long time ago. I did. So did That's I. true. That's true. But as long as there's girls with flowers in their hair, I guess I don't really care. I mean, that's cool by me. Anyway, <laughs> thank you to our new Patreon members. Thank you to all the ongoing Patreon members. We are in the Smart Start MN Studio. Thanks to your generous support year after year after year and the good people at SmartStartMN. Dot com. What do they do? They are the co-founders of Minnesota's Ignition Interlock Company. If you drink and drive, you are making a terrible mistake. But people make terrible mistakes, sadly, every day. That doesn't mean you can't get back to some kind of regular working life, and Smart Start MN will help you get there. Yeah, uh, it's funny that alcohol tends to cloud the judgment. Wait, so what? there's a lot of folks that back don't... Back up, in- you lost me already. Yeah, they tend, they like don't think they're going to drink and drive, but then they have a bunch of drinks. Maybe I could fly. Yeah, exactly. I wonder exactly. if this is a submersible. I might yeah. take it across the lake. So let's just say you know somebody that's whipping shitties on the lake and Ooh. they get busted for a DUI. Have them get in touch with Smart Start. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. And that'll get them 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. Although if their car went into the lake, they're going to need to find a different car that they they can then attach that particular device to. Also, thanks to Moxie Wealth Management. Moxie Wealth Management jumped on board because I think that we are sort of philosophically aligned, right? Yes. Now, 
here we sit and talk about everything from local entrepreneurs, local politics, mostly local music, various influencers like our guest coming up very shortly in the Twin Cities market, but really sometimes the global reach, just like the Oprah of online fantasy sports gaming is. <laughs> He's joining us next. Anyway, um, Moxie is... They're cool, right? They're mellow. Like, yes. here's the deal. You and I made an agreement from day one. We're not working with jerks. We're, just, we're not ever under any circumstance, nor will we allow a jerk on the show. Again, it doesn't mean it's our way or the highway, but it kind of is. Like, just, you know, be cool. Be interesting. Have fun. Like, you, uh, there aren't really any requirements other than not being a piece of shit. Sorry, Moxie. I know that you have real clients that actually spend real money, and I apologize for swearing in the middle of your ad, but Moxie Wealth Management brings a very friendly team approach to wealth management. And you might be like, well, I don't have any real wealth. I'll bet you have insurance. I'll bet you have tax situations. You might have property under your belt. There, There is such a you know, a spectrum of what they take care of, and they've got it all in one place. They sure do, and they won't talk down to you. I I'm one of these people, when I go to the doctor, I don't pretend to be uh, somebody who's got my PhD in any kind of medicine. And when I go to a mechanic, I don't try to Oof. don't try to tell them their job. That, by the way, finding a real mechanic that yes. you can trust, oh. where they're like, you can probably get away with this for another 20,000 miles, but we should take care of this today. Yeah, That right there, that's my love language. If you're trying to make well, out with me, I have got a couple free minutes. Well, I don't need to know the whole in and out, but just explain things to me like, you know, a, a child. So I understand Talk to it. me like I'm a four-year-old. So I, I say it all it. the time. Yeah, and Moxie will help you with everything Brian just talked about. You know, a lot of us don't like to talk about our money. We don't like to think about the idea that someday we might either retire or need to pass along things to our loved one. Yeah, I sure would hate to retire, Sean. Yeah, that really sounds like an awful idea. But get a hold of them at moxiewealthmanagement.com. Sadly, I'm at, that's, that's at least 25 years in front of me. I don't know that I'll ever be able to retire. Also, that was the comedy right there. Like I'm going to make it another 25 years, okay? Our guest coming up next is not only someone who I respected long before I met him, who we share an incredible number of similar vibes we've hung out together we've worked together but i also happen to really i mean i really respect this dude and i like him a lot he loves music he loves fantasy sports he loves what we're going to talk about today get ready buckle up the kids here we go (laughs) we're talking board games today with one of my dearest friends on the planet one paul charchi and that's coming up next but before we do because i always i don't like to go too far into a show without crying so david bowie the anniversary of his death is today and this song will forever remind me of my only child i just have the one I mean, she's 24 now, so she's not exactly a child, but she will always be my child. But this was the song that I played for her. No, I can't tell the story. Just play it. (laughs) Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry, because we believe in you. Soon you'll grow, so take a chance with a couple of kooks hung up on romancing. Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry, cause we believe in you. Soon you'll grow, so take a chance with a couple of kooks hung up on romancing. 
Bought a lot of things to keep you warm and dry And a funny old crib on which the paint won't dry I bought you a pair of shoes A trumpet you can blow And a book of rules Of what to say to people when they pick on you Cause if you stay with us you're gonna be pretty cookie too Will you stay in our lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry Cause we believe in you Soon you'll grow, so take a chance With a couple of kooks, I'm up on romancing And if you ever have to go to school Remember how they messed up this old fool Don't pick fights with the bullies or the cats Cause I'm not much cop at punching other people's dads And if the homework brings you down Then we'll throw it on the fire and take the car downtown Will you stay in my lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry Cause we believe in you Soon you'll grow So take a chance with a couple of kooks I'm up on romancing Will you stay in my lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry Cause we believe in you Soon you'll grow So take a chance with a couple of kooks I'm up on romancing Yeah, that's cool. Whatever. I mean, if you're into anything or whatever and don't mind crying constantly, which luckily is my jam, um, the crying constantly bit. My name is Brian Oak. This is the Brian Oak Show, which seems appropriate. That all tracks. Episode 290. And today, as I mentioned, we're joined by someone who I consider an admired colleague and a very good friend, one Paul Charchi. And Paul, how are you? You know, every time you introduce me, I, I, I feel bad because uh, periodically I will have you on KFAN. I never introduce you with those glowing adjectives. It's always like, yeah, you hear him, you hear him in the mornings on uh, Cities 97. That's it. We just move on. You know, you don't get any love for me back. Well, I gotta, but but here's the deal. You, you ha- no, you have to know that after I've done radio for almost 30 years now, right? And so this yeah, podcast. Me too, by the way. I know, but it's, this this podcast is fun because it's it's literally sort of the reverse image. On radio, you get two minutes of talk, and at least in my world of radio, yes. and 25 minutes of commercials and yeah. music. And then maybe you'll get two more minutes to talk, but you don't get to really do a deep dive with anybody almost ever. I mean, unless it was like the old school Studio C, which those days are gone for fucking ever. Um and so this is, we'll play a song here or there, but mostly it's about finding out about people. I love this format. I don't want to do talk radio for a living. I know I would suck out <laughs> loud at it, but here on a... You, that is not true. A, that is not at oh, all here true. We no, here we go. No, it's not. No. A, the fact that you're 290 episodes yeah. into a podcast <laughs> in which you can talk for as long as you want yeah. Yeah. is evidence of the fact that you were meant... I believe, ultimately, Uh-oh. as good as you are at being a DJ, you were meant for long-form talk. Oh, gross. Do you, yeah, do you, no, no, no. The gross you, part is you, it's work. But do, well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. why I said yeah. gross, yeah. Paul. Yeah. Ick. But also, like, 
Don't you ever get tired as good as you are at it, as clever as you are? And again, I know this is turning into a giant jackarino right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. But I mean, and I mean it in all sincerity. And this is the important crux of that question, that notion. Don't you ever get tired? Like, all of a sudden, doesn't sometimes your own voice pop into your ears when you have these headphones on? Whether you're on the radio, whether you're doing one of your many national broadcasts promoting the fantasy sports stuff that you are, as much as I like to joke about it, genuinely a leading national expert. Every once in a while, don't you get that thing where you're like, oh, am I still talking? Am uh, I still fucking yeah. talking? You're talking to me right after. I'm two days into my offseason. I know. I've just done I know. A, I've just done a 24. 20- Five-ish week grind. Mm. I can't the imagine fantasy season like starting in August with drafts and then going through the yeah. eighteen weeks of of the NFL season. I'm two days out of it. God, I'm I'm so sick of myself. Just stop. <laughs> Amen, brother. And yes. here's the problem. So I love doing what I do for a living on the radio show. I like working here with Sean and whoever we have in. I like you love that job. You but, uh, like working with Sean. Okay, yeah, that's I, 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 not I noticed that. I enjoy <laughs> all the only of it, <laughs> jackass. Um, but every once in a while, all of a sudden I hear him like, and I, I almost, not quite out of body. I'm still aware that it's me that's doing it. But there's almost a second narrative. Like, I don't know if it's the angel on the shoulder or the devil on the shoulder. That says, are you still talking all the time? Well, I am talking because it's my show, so fuck yeah, off. Your name's, um, your name's on it. Well, yeah. Naima has a great phrase, by the way, my co-host on the radio show. Your name's on the tin, mate. Which name's is on the tin. On the tin, which, you know, apparently everything at one point in London and England was in tins. Prince Albert on a can? Exactly. Is that, Do you is that have Prince about? Albert in a can? Yeah. I think that's actually... Interesting. I love it when worlds collide. Paul, you and I came in today to talk about a mutual passion of ours. We both love music. We both love a great many things. You yeah. and I have a lot in common. Yep. But one of the things that we are part of is this glorious revolution, this almost renaissance period of board games. And now people might automatically, when they think of that, be like, you mean like sorry? You mean like trouble? You mean like aggravation? You mean like monopoly? Yes and no. I mean, and so when I call it a renaissance it's a perfect example. A great gift I got for Christmas was a copy of the reimagined Hero Quest. Mm. And I played the original one that came out on Milton Bradley. You know, yeah. when you think of Milton Bradley, I mean, this is as close as they ever got to any kind of like sort of, you know, dreamy fantasy Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Yeah. And that was By the far. 80s, roughly, right? For the original Hero Maybe Quest? Maybe early 90s. Okay. Yeah, it was but late. We, we had an original copy. Was it late 80s? I think late 80s. All right, yeah. well, we had an original copy, and then a brand new one just came out within mm-hmm. the last few months. My daughter got it for me for Christmas. We played it, and literally nothing had changed about the gameplay. Wow. But like, okay. Literally. Well, they refined a very couple very, very many points, but all of the figurines, as we've noticed in this oh, recent revolution, yeah. are spectacularly good. And so there's board games, and then there's board games. And before we get into what's happening right now with that revolution, where we're at with the st- with the state of the art of things, I hate to talk too long before we hear a song. I know that you are into some weird ass hippie shit. Hell yeah, baby! <laughs> oh, what are we going with it. first? So this is a song from a uh, a Swedish band called Death and Vanilla. Death and Vanilla. Death and Vanilla. <laughs> they put out. Sean, your thoughts, Sean. What's your third favorite track from Death and Vanilla? You know, my I think my third favorite is uh, Ring Around My Auntie Rosie. 
That sounded like the most profane thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth. I'm sorry, Paul, as you were. Death and Vanilla <laughs> is a shoegazy band. Yeah. Um, that wait, 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 wait. You enjoy music that's sort of atmospheric. And I know, hard to believe, right? It's, this but is right like, in my wheelhouse. So, but well, why I love this, why I ask everyone who comes in to pick something, it's not never a cool contest. I've never heard of Death and Vanilla, and you are clearly a fan. This They put out an album three years ago that is... I think one of the ten best shoegaze albums of all time, and the best all time. the best shoegaze album that's come out since then. They have another one coming in March that I can't wait for. They've released two tracks from it already. They're fantastic, but this is the lead track from the previous album from Death and Vanilla, and it is wonderful.
a lot of LSD back in the hippie days, Miller? Repo Man. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> my name is Brian Oak. Like, it's the Brian Oak Show. Yeah, no, I know, but was Repo the, Man was among rate. my friends at the time when that movie was like a yeah. thing. We watched it so often. I You can literally start a line anywhere in that movie, and I'll be able to pick up the thread from there. One of my all-time favorites. Anyway, that was groovy as hell, man. That was really cool. Yeah, super I've never dreamy, heard of but them. not boring. Yeah, nobody no. has. Uh, Death and Vanilla is pretty small. But see, I like that stuff. So like, one of the things that I try to tell a lot of people about back in the rave days, I like music that has repeti- repetition and rhythm, mm. but it's got to have a feel to it, right? Like, I just don't want to hear... Right. Like, there's yeah. got to be something happening in there to make it happen and i feel that way with shoegaze stuff too that was cool yeah it's uh super dreamy uh i just i i just i love the vibe yeah the textures that roll through that song death and vanilla they um yeah it's a good band and uh excited for the new album which comes out you said in march march yeah i'm gonna try it one more time you do a lot of LSD back in the hippie days, Billy? <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to answer that. No, Although I did that, see Rebo Man yeah. two, three times. No, not the new one. Not the one. I didn't even know there was a new one. Oh, it was. I didn't either. It was awful. Why would you no, do no, that? No, it wasn't. It was It was called Repo Man or Repo Men, but it was about coming back and collecting org- organs and people's no, bodies no, that they didn't so pay for. it was no for. remake. Okay. No, no, nothing like that. No, yeah. no one would dare. We're here to talk to Paul Charchian about the current state of board games. So yes. I don't I don't think I overstated it when I said there's a renaissance occurring. And it's not much like the vinyl revival. It's not a short-lived renaissance. This has been going on for a while, and we are reaping some almost unbelievable benefits these days. Yeah, the problem people have with board games now, um, for, for if you're over 40, yeah. I think your problem is you were raised on crap board games because that's all we had. Whoa. We had nothing what? but bad games. I'm sorry, are you calling trouble a bad game? I am. Aggravation? Terrible. More family fistfights with sorry than any other game. There you go. Oh, where uh, you slide down and you knock them out. And you they're just like, pick yeah. on somebody. It's a bully. Right. It's a bully game. Yeah. Well, uh, Monopoly, Risk. Um, I'm going to set Clue aside because I think Clue's pretty good. But okay. these are the games that we grew up with that by today's standards are so Archaic. bad they right. would never get published. No, it, it's and like, it's that's like, all we had. What do you call it when you do the skip, the two feet, the one foot, the two feet? Scotch. Jinx, buy me a Coke. That's the new name of this podcast, Hopscotch. (laughs) But I want you to grab that piece of audio every time it starts. Hopscotch. It was was like we were in Jeopardy. That was was actually glorious. I really enjoyed that. But, I mean, like, that is obviously wildly outdated. Now, but without without throwing them away entirely, uh, without a game like Risk, Risk is obviously groundbreaking. And I know that by today's standards, it seems very tired. When you talk about the small game revolution, the war reenactment revolution, uh, pandemic. I mean, pick pick a game. What's the one where the nuclear explosions go off and something like? Anyway, it's got a wor- <laughs> it's got a world board map. Um, I mean, Risk really sort of changed the tone, didn't it? Well, I mean, in as much you know, these are all big games that sold really well, yeah. and most people had one of those games that we've just mentioned in their house. So, I mean, you know, but the problem was there were not that many games that were being made, and the right. ones that were, you know, and we all, you know, Target would sell six games, right? And so you bought one of the six games, yeah. and you thought that was that was all that was ever available. But as it turns out, and thank God for this, yeah. in time. 
the board game industry has turned into really a self-publishing revolution. It's very now, DIY. It's got a very punk ethos to it. Very much so. A little bit like now how almost anybody can form a band and, you know, get yeah. your song up yeah. you know, on YouTube and on Spotify. We could literally record a song in here right now, some sort of three-part sort of... Um, hey, let's call song. it Hopscotch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. yes. Shit, Hopscotch about to get fresh <laughs> up in this place. And <laughs> but you, I mean, you. But your point is salient. You can do it anywhere, and these young upstarts. But part of it is getting funding, right? Because these games are not cheap, and so you need to drum up support among the well, like you and me, thirsty gaming public. Kickstarter was revolutionary. Yeah. For can't understate how important Kickstarter was for the board game industry. Mm-hmm. Going now back ten years, mm-hmm. you, there are people that would never have been able to get a. Really, like a, a big p- epic game that's got hundreds of cards and boards and pieces, mm. and get all of you know get that all together. Unless right. and unless there was Kickstarter, so you could pre-fund the development of those things and show people what it was going to look like, and then people, even if they didn't pre-fund it and get any of your perks. I mean, I've spent $100 or more on a board game before. I have, that's becoming the norm, actually. Well, which, but yeah. and here's the thing, and it sounds ridiculous. It sounds indulgent. It sounds almost cartoonish. But when you look at the quality of modern board games, right? I mean, like, we went through a renaissance over the last 20 years, and you wrote down some here, but I really feel like we need to talk about where we're at today. I mean, so apples to apples, right? I mean, they, it led to Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> it did. Um, Cards Against Humanity... Might be, and I'm trying not to be hyperbolic here, but it might be the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. (laughs) I've played with you. Mm -hmm. I've played with several other groups of friends. And when you get to a certain number of, you know, refreshing beverages, uh, and then you also start deciding, oh, I get it. It's called Cards Against Humanity because it's not supposed to be friendly. It's not supposed to be polite. Ah, God, no. As long as you're playing with the right people. Mm Mm-hmm. It's one of the, I mean, and again, and here's the other thing I like about it. Some of these games that we're going to talk about are prohibitive for some people. They sit down and look at, you know, Eldritch Horror. They're like, I, no, they're, they're yeah. not even interested, right? But you sit down with Cards Against Humanity and get somebody a couple hands into it, it's on. Yep, game on, baby. It's all about, <laughs> that's a game more than any other. That's all about the combination of the right people. Correct. Yes. And honestly, the right number of drinks. And that game, you know, if you get the right people, the right number of drinks, Cards Against Humanity is about as much fun as you can have in gaming. It, I, I, I wasn't joking. I might not have laughed harder in my entire life because every once in a while, those two cards fall just right. And oh, yeah. it's glorious. Before. Ap- but Apples to Apples, which it's based on, yeah. to me, you know, it's a 20-year-old game now, but it's, it is... Oh, extremely family-friendly. It is, and it's so universal. Yeah, we Anybody can play. I can recall a session of Apples to Apples, I don't know, a long time ago, but I had a 95-year-old and we had an 8-year-old. We had, a, we had the great-great-granddaughter yeah. wow. of the guy playing, and everybody's able to play. The universality of, of Apples yeah. to Apples is unquestioned mm-hmm. and it's well, brilliant and also not a common trait among many games some no. games are very brief some are very stylized some are as you and i have played more than a couple times stupidly complex yes it's, and and apples apples there's no it's not like usually most games whoever's like the most tactical strategic thinker yeah dun, dun, will dun, come dun, out dun. on you know come out on top dun, 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 dun. apples apples doesn't matter right yeah. i mean it's just it's <laughs> almost arbitrary what do you yeah. what do you think is the funniest because it's yeah. your turn 
Yeah, so Cards Against Humanity, actual game changer. But then, uh, so before we get into your next song, which I don't like to go too long without music, but there's one in particular that I feel should be referenced because it got so popular that it was referenced on the so-called nerd show um, Big Bang Theory. Mm. They were playing it in one of the opening scenes there, Settlers of Catan. So now when I was a kid and when you were a kid, we probably both played a lot of those old school GDW games, these weird little situational games. And then Settlers of Catan comes along, and it brings what was long... To me, I don't know if there's a more influential game in terms of where we're at right now, board game-wise. It brought that sort of weird, dark underbelly of, I play games with hexagonal pieces. <laughs> I, you know, but in all sincerity, and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, resource acquisition, and that sort of thing, I don't know that any game brought all that kind of weird, old-school, culty stuff into the mainstream more than Settlers of Catan. You can kind of mark the the shift of the old games, the Monopoly, Risk, Clue, Trouble, mm-hmm. Sorry era, yeah. and where we are today by Settlers of Catan. I, I, it's a it's, huge deal. You can't tell the history of board gaming without the Settlers of Catan, which is many, many multi-million you know, seller. Oh, yeah. And it's done incredibly well. It probably came out 25 years ago, and that's... You know, that was a real change in the the whole dynamics of what board games were and what they could be. I have a question as an outsider. Is there a board game con? Oh, God, is there? Okay. Oh. I'm gonna, it's called... It's, you just asked, asked a bigger get, question. I, you been, asked a bigger I just question than you want an answer to. I just wanted is to know. Is there a board game con? I just wanted to know. But also, I planned on talking about this at the very end of the yeah, show. Yeah. But there is also a an amazing website called... Is it Board, board game, game Geek? Geek. Yeah, BoardGameGeek.com. Okay. So if you're ever like, well, what's fun? You go to BoardGameGeek.com, and it will give you the top 1,000 board And there's more than that, but it'll give you, like, the top whatever. But what's great about it, it'll break it down. It'll tell you, do you need to be Nerdosaurus Rex to play yes, this game? Yes, yes, yes. you do. Is this a family-friendly game? Actually, Paul turned me on to it years ago, but Board Game Geek, anytime you're like, What's a fun family game? It's because I, I like hundreds. Them. Yeah. You yeah. can find hundreds yeah. there. I, I like board games. I just didn't know, you know, and this, these are great resources for the casual fan that's listening right now. Right. That Which might be a little probably bit probably like, most people. That's why I bring that up because yeah. I because lo- we just played board games over the holidays and I love that idea going to boardgamegeek.com. What'd uh, you play? Pachisi? No, we played F a couple that. of different games and I'm the most competitive and so people were just way too slow for me. And Bloody Knuckles. <laughs> no. no. Come on, Paul. Quick bloody game of bloody knuckles. knuckles. Here you go. On the bus in, in eighth grade. I remember it well. Yes, exactly. Uh, the There are many, many convent, board gaming conventions. Here we go. It, the grandfather of the board gaming convention yes. is called Gen Con. It started in Geneva, Wisconsin right. as a Dungeons and Dragons convention, but eventually... But like yeah. in the earliest days of D&D, mm-hmm. when it was really... I mean, you want to talk about a cult beginning, that's where... I mean, that's really the first con, right? It's the, It was the... Yeah. But this is before there was Comic-Con in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this, this is yeah. super early. This goes back a long way. Wow. And eventually they outgrew Geneva, Wisconsin, and they yeah. moved it to Indianapolis. Now, the Gen Con in Indianapolis... We'll see over 50,000 people a day over wow. four days. Wow. The only event in the state of Indianapolis that is bigger than Gen Con is the Indy 500. That's wow. it. 
It's Indy 500, and then it is a convention of board gamers. Nice. By the way, here's a here's a picture for you, so you have some oh sense of my gosh. what we're looking at. I'm, I'm surprised. I've, I've this... begged Brian to go with me to Gen Con many times. I'm well, surprised not many times, a couple times. Here's the deal: I used to get caught up in my own head quite a bit about these things. Tell you what, this 2023 is going to be a very different year for me. You want to go to Gen Con this year? When is it? It is the first. It is always the first. Thursday through Sunday of August. So, summers are hard for me to not be here on Thursday. Little thing called Oak, Oak on, the, on water. the Water with your name on it. Whoa, whoa, wow, whoa. Yeah. I mean, we're not trying yeah. to cross promote here. City's 97.1, uniquely Twin Cities. <laughs> um, but yes, and so if I if I don't have to be there night one, if I'm not going to miss meeting Josh Ami or something like that, this year I will go with you to Gen Con. All right, that is an oral binding contract. Agreed. right there. Oh, I'll so, give you. I'll give you an oral binding, binding contract, contract, please. Right? In, in in Indiana, can we? Please? Might be against the law in Indiana. Can we? That's can true. we please hear another song? <laughs> sure. This next song is by the horrifically named <laughs> King Dude. I, it's such a bad name. <laughs> no, and, no. And this is can coming we... from a guy. One of my favorite bands is. We can swear, right? Yes, one of my favorite anything. bands is Holy Fuck. I love Holy Fuck. You brought me to one of the greatest live shows I've ever seen in my life. I've been in the entry in my life reasonably 150 times. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more, somewhere around there. One of the greatest shows I ever saw in there, you're like, no, you got to come see this band. They're, they're, imagine a Canadian electronic jam band. I'm like, it sounds like fucking garbage-ish. <laughs> but I trust my friend Paul, and yep. so I followed you in. It's one of the most amazing live shows I've ever seen. Holy wow. fuck is fantastically good. They're so good. We were right and, on top of them. We were two rows away. I know. That's the beauty of the entry. Oh, is there, There's no bad seats in the entry. There are no seats in the entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm familiar with bands that have a bad name. Yeah. Holy fuck. Great Go- band. Goo Goo Dolls? Uh, Anybody? No Toad thanks. the Wet Sprocket? Bare Naked that's, Ladies? That's, a, that's not bad. Uh, <laughs> King, King Dude my is a right terrible there. name. Now... King Dude, for whatever King reason. King Dude, by the way, and I'm sorry, yes. and I will stop interrupting you. It's a really terrible name. It's a terrible name, and I don't know the I don't know the name of the the real life guy behind yeah. it. Um, but what I find most interesting about King Dude, and well, this is by far the best out. song in the catalog of King Dude, is this guy is fascinated by Satan. <laughs> like every other song has some kind of Satan tie-in. This song is called Forty Fives Say Six Six Six. It is apparently about 40 of the guns. It's about him trying to take down Satan with his guns. And if you see the video, you'll get to see him trying to take down Satan. 45s say 666. It's a very short song. Lyrics are good. Voice is good. I hope you enjoy it. You're a weird dude.
sincere answer you promise no no <laughs> that right. was honesty at least. I, I, I guess can't, that, i can't i can't make that that was that was the, that was the most honest. did you play that because you wish secretly at some point in your life that your nickname was king dude <laughs> <laughs> only in bed <laughs> oh whoa Gross. whoa just take off the e and you might have it a charchy <laughs> king wow nice a, 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 done. a charchy yeah. in the streets oh. king dude in the sheets oh. <laughs> welcome to the brian oak show yeah. uh, <laughs> the name of the song was 45 say 666 right like there let, you go. Let kill the devil yeah. although i think it might be about richard ramirez don't know who that is night stalker it night could be stalker. about trump he was the 45th president oh, oh maybe <gasps> Everything's wide open. Although I will will admit, despite the terrible name, it was a really good song. It's a really cool song. (laughs) Before we resume our conversation and get up into the modern era of board gaming, which to me, I I don't think I overstate it when I say it's a renaissance. Before we do that, though, I would like to check in with my friend Sean Bernard. Not only sort of the, I don't know, this was your idea. This whole fucking thing was your idea. Well... I know how much you love music, and I was like, there is a place in the Twin Cities for somebody to do a podcast that isn't just a kiss-ass podcast about music, about music. And I love music, but I don't pretend to be a savant like the two of you. Yeah, so That's strong, um, but thank you. So I get to sit here and enjoy uh, listening to you talk to people like Paul and and hear phenomenal music. Paul never lets us down. Ever. Like, there's times where I'm like, okay, he's going to finally get me where I'm like, come on, Paul. You, you want to talk about Savant, yeah. this yeah. guy right across yeah. from me right here? No. Now, would you know, you look like a Steve Miller fan. All right, let's be honest. All right. You look like a Steve Miller fan. If I were to walk past you at, say, Aldi, I would say that you are a Steve I Miller love Aldi, fan. I by the way. Yeah. I've got nothing against Aldi. That oh, was not a slam at all. Aldi's fantastic. I was yes. just picking a place in public where I might okay. pass you. I'd be like, 
Steve Miller guy. Uh, Instead, he's an explosions in the sky guy. There's nobody like him. Thank you for the kind words. Sean, in addition to this almost ridiculously Liberace-like glamorous <laughs> lifestyle you lead as part of the Brian Oaks show, you're also a realtor for Edina Realty, the 50th and France location. And what are tricks like right now? They're good. You know, the market is, uh, you know, it's shifted, It, but it's not, you know, this is what's crazy to me. People get this perception because of the national media, even the local media, they think, oh, you should not buy or sell a house Oof. this year. Oh, not it's, now. It's Why would you awful. do it now? It's awful out there. What, because the percentage is up like two? Well, it's actually down again. I oh. was just saying it's down in the sixes again. It was up in the sevens. But, you know, in 1998, I bought my first house for 6.875. Yeah. Um, I've said to a lot of people, if you've been in your house for many years, you're probably going to either be a cash buyer or at least a partial cash buyer. That pays down a lot of that interest rate. I've also said to renters, this is a little... Oh, you guys are going to want to smack me for this one. I don't want to smack you. I just, the last 20 seconds to me sounded like R2-D2 talking when he's in the Death Star. I don't have any fucking idea what you just said. <laughs> cash buyer or what buyer? Well, you're a cash buyer when you sell your house for yeah. whatever, you know, $400,000 and you go buy a house for $400,000. And that makes a you cash, a cash buyer. You're a cash buyer. You're not as getting, opposed to what? As opposed to getting a loan. Oh. Yeah, so you're not paying oh. any, you're not paying any interest yeah. rate, but I, you know, I had a, a, a somebody who was renting a place is like, why, what do you think about the interest rates right now and me buying a place? I'm like, well, right now you're paying 100% interest. And they were like, what? Oof. I go, no, 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 you're paying somebody else's mortgage. Yep. And the rents keep going up, right? And they're like, oh, God, yeah, they raised them again this last year. I'm like, well, you start to do the math on everything, and you're like, shit, even if I have to pay a 7% interest rate, it's a whole lot better that you're building equity. Now, should you go flip a house uh, in, in, or even just buy and sell in the next three years? I don't think I'd suggest that. But if you're interested in buying long-term, if you're interested in dying, uh, downsizing, if you're if you're a cash buyer, uh, that sort of thing. A what? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, nice. Ahead, and now I feel like we're in a bad real estate seminar. Can we get some high fives? I was going to say, <laughs> okay, here we go. High fives. Here we go. Come high on. Fives, right high around. Fives. Um, no, worst episode ever. Um, <laughs> how do people? How do people get a hold right of here. you? Uh, they can get a hold of me at six one two eight five nine two five nine four. Doing a lot of planning with people right now. I'm going to look at a lot of homes that are going to be listed. Uh, everybody's trying to hit the spring market at, at the right time. There will be a spring market. It'll be hot, just like it always is. Six one two eight five nine two five nine four. I also donated a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or band. Get that chili hot, boys. Get that really we, chili this can we get you a vanity phone number like one eight hundred Sean Home? I think one eight hundred King Dude. Come on, King Dude. There you go. Can we need to get you a vanity <laughs> phone number. Oh, if it dude. was one K M G D O O D King Dude. I'm going to do a billboard like the other guy, but I'm going to actually have people in it and make it about the people that I help. Oh, that's very nice. Like that I'm holding on to the people. I feel like maybe we all just grew a little bit today. We did. We did. Appreciate if, that, Sean. If you guys are listening right now. Okay, anyway. The more you uh, know. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Our guest is Paul Charchin, and Paul is a dear friend of mine, but we also happen to be aligned on certain fronts. One of them is we both love gaming. Could be video gaming, mm -hmm. could be virtual reality, uh, could be role play gaming, which we do actively, but also board gaming, something that you and I have devoted more than a decade to. Every yeah. February, we disappear for what was once known as Whiskey Weekend, and it's back, and I'm glad, even though I don't participate 
quite as robustly <laughs> as I used to. Um, but we, but the, yes. the real thrust of it is, in addition to being a whiskey tasting, it's also about board games. And my knowledge of just how robust board games, I don't even want to say remain. I feel like this is a stronger, different universe than anything we grew up with, as important as board games were back then. Where we are now... Oh, the games are so good now. It's so oh, good! They're so fun. And now, and so I know, fun. This isn't even one of the top five we're going to talk about, but I did all of a sudden on the way over here think about it. Is it called Nemesis? The one that we yes. play that's basically like the game Alien? It's, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's playing the ro- one of the roles in Alien, Aliens, I think, more right. specifically, right. but yes. And it is such a good game, Nemesis. I, I've never not enjoyed that game because... It introduces something that is relatively recent in our world. I mean, comparatively speaking, both in video games and in board games, where you have to make moral decisions. Who are you? Are you are you interested in you winning? Are you interested in the team winning? And that that's a pretty common theme through most of the games we're going to talk about right now. Yeah, here. hidden roles is a is a big part of, a huge of gaming deal. now where you've got you've got some objective that the rest of the players don't know and you're trying to fulfill your objective and and a lot of the times those objectives run contrary to the motivations of everybody else at the table. Well, and again, you and this is where the acting comes into play. Like where we played Outpost Thirty One, we played Ultimate Werewolf, where you're <laughs> literally going on guile and trying to convince someone that's trusted you for decades. I'm looking at you right now, Paul, <laughs> and and literally yeah. lying to their face because it's part of the game. If there's, as long as everyone's cool and there's nothing at stake. So I'm going to jump ahead, even though you've got it at number three. Mm-hmm. The game that epitomizes this for me is Secret Hitler. Secret Hitler. Now, I think a lot of people, if they were to see that at the store, they'd be like, it has Hitler in the title. We cannot buy that. <laughs> we just can't do can't that. can't have that on our shelf. <laughs> but that's what adds to a great deal of the intrigue of this game. And I would like to think that this game, even for people who are like, I can't play these advanced games, Secret it's, Hitler is relatively straightforward and very. simple as long as you're willing to look people in the eye and lie to them. <laughs> the premise of Secret Hitler is, and it plays, it's a party game, and that means lots of people. It yeah. plays between, I think, 6 and 12, and... Half of the people are, it's set in 1930 Germany, half are budding fascists and right. half are liberals and one person's Hitler and you don't know who anybody else is. And, is the and you game- don't know who Hitler is except the people who are the fascists, they know who Hitler is, but he doesn't know, know who, who they the are. fascists are. And so you, everyone puts down their things like, oh, well, here's the mission, here's what we're trying to put through the chancellery or whatever it is, and... People are like, no, no, that's all I had. No, I, I couldn't play anything else. The, the amount of absolute bald-faced lying that happens in that game. <laughs> it's nonstop. What, it, it makes it thrilling, yes. though. And the number of times you get away with it, also delicious. The, <laughs> the liberals eventually have to start killing off people who they think might be Hitler. And they might be killing off their own liberals. And then sometimes somebody talks up a little too much. During the game, I wouldn't know anything no, about that. No, that's certainly not um, you. But then they'll kill you, and you'll be like, I was one. Yeah, I was I literally I, on I your was, team. But they, right. no. Night of the Long Knives. What other game would you like uh, to hit Well, the couple others that I think are easy and approachable games. One of my favorites is for people who hate board games mm-hmm. because you're not strategic, you're not tactical. Yeah. Patient. Uh, maybe, or patient. Yeah. Uh, it's a game called Dixit. D-I-X-I-T. It's available everywhere, including Target. Okay. Uh, Dixit is... So, like, everywhere. I mean, yeah. Right. I, mean, can, I know this was, like, a tag game, and you just slap somebody and go Dixit, and then you... 
Oh, nah, sorry. That's not close, but okay. not quite. Okay. Sean, kids don't play outside anymore. <laughs> what okay. does that mean? Sorry. Those exactly. days are over. Exactly. Um, in Dixit, <laughs> you get a, everybody gets a, a handful of cards that all have exotic abstract art on them. And the game plays out by trying, it's, and I'm not going to try to get into the rules of it, but any, the game plays out by just trying to get people to pick your piece of art by describing it in such a way that people can identify your piece of abstract art. And so, you know, totally, it's not pieces, it's not dice, it's right. not, it's, it's the perfect left-brained game, Dixit, for people who want to describe artwork. And it's really fun. Anybody can play it. Any age can play it. And again, not strategic, not tactical, not dice rolling. It's about art. You immediately made me think right there, and that's fantastic because I would love to play that game. But you made me think about another game that we played only a couple times, but there's one where... Mysterium is what you're thinking of. The ghost is trying to communicate yes. with the remaining living people. Made by the same people. Really? So it's those same cards. Imagine yeah. those same style of cards, uh-huh. but no ghost and no you know, yeah, yeah. board and the other stuff. None of that so metaphysical bullshit. <laughs> that's right. Am I right? That's a murder mystery game. It, uh, yeah. yeah no, that, and, but I, 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 I love that as well. That's very good. So we're in the modern era where I think that there are highly enjoyable games for the everyday family to sit down and play. Yes. Hero Quest I brought up to you. Mm-hmm. Literally, I got it on Christmas Day. That night, my wife and daughter and I sat down and we played it because growing up, it was our game. Yeah. Of course, I had to be Zargon again because I'm some sort of evil, overbearing <laughs> Freudian nightmare. Zar- but- With the name like Zargon, you're never the good guy. You're That's like, true. Oh, I'm, you know, why why I'm can't a, I just be playing the, a priest. The, the keeper, the game guy? Like, yeah. no, Zarga, because I have to control the Zarga. gargoyles and whatnot. Um, but so not only are there games that are simple enough for families to enjoy, even something macabre though it might be, like I brought up the Donner Dinner Party game yes. last year to our yes, game weekend. Yes. Up to 10 people can play it. And you just kind of have to once again lie into people's faces directly and say, "You get comfortable." I'm not a cannibal. Time. I'm not. (laughs) Sean, I'm not a cannibal. Yes, you are, Brian. No, I'm just so hungry. I'm so hungry. But then it also goes to the other end of the spectrum. I mean, there are fun little dice games. Like Bang is a good card game. It is. I mean, we need to bring that more often. We absolutely do. But I mean, so this this sort of revolution in gaming right now, which I still, it's ongoing. So it's hard to call it a revolution. This surge, whatever you want to call it. Ranging from those kind of fun six-minute games to intermediary games to games that will literally take the next day and a half, which yeah, you and I have played before as well. We have. Um, I, which We can hit two more of these. Which ones do you want to hit? Well, I want to hit Pandemic because Pandemic came out in, in 2008. Uh, oh, a, yeah. Minnesota, a Minnesotan uh, named Matthew Leacock uh, mm. designed it, and it became a milestone game because it is cooperative. Right. And it put cooperative play on the table and what the brilliance of playing of playing cooperatively with your family is now you can play with a 10 year old a 16 year old and two parents for example and now it doesn't matter who's the smartest who's the most strategic Mm -hmm. you know now you're all working together as a common goal right in this case to traverse the world and stomp out pandemics as they're trying to bloom across across the, the world map and because it's because you all have a shared goal and a shared win there aren't Winners and losers like that. Right. You know, it's not like I beat Sean or Sean beat me. Yeah. There's no hard feelings. And it's not like the one person who's the smartest person at the table is usually going to win. Now you are you have a shared goal. 
pandemic. I mean, that that is pretty revolutionary. Now, that's got on to become a very common trait in many games. It has. It sparked a massive Hmm. surge in cooperative gaming. But, I mean, up until that, it was sorry, and it was, you know, uh, Yahtzee, or uh, what's the one with the dice? Click, 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 trouble. Uh, They were doing hungry hippos. (laughs) Oh, hippos. They were hungry. They had to eat them marbles, yo. Yeah, they did. Uh, And so we move into the modern era then. And so, I mean, there are these games that literally changed the course of gaming, right? Yeah. And now we find ourselves in this era where it ranges from sort of the enjoyable, simple party parlor game, right? Up to, as I mentioned, games that go on forever. To me, right in the middle of that, a game that I will not let this podcast end without mentioning. (laughs) Because it it, it kind of blindsided me. It T-boned me the first time I played it. It's a game called The Captain is Dead, mm-hmm. which is very, very clearly pulling basically everything from Star Trek. Yes. Right? But it's an o- a loving homage. It, in, a, in such a clever, wonderful way, the premise being that you're all one member of the crew, and it ranges from the janitor to a hologram to first officer to mm-hmm. the admiral. It's yep. all over the map. Engineering, yep. And, and the premise is The Captain is Dead and you are being attacked and boarded constantly by aliens. And it is so dynamic, so complex, so fun. Occasionally, exceptionally frustrating. But also, I mean, it's one of my, in our years of playing games together, one of my favorites you've ever introduced me to. It's a great game. And that's another cooperative game. Captain is dead. You're all, exactly. you're, you know, you're all on the crew of this ship that's being attacked in outer space, and you need to work together to try to survive and get the engines going keep the shields yeah. up it, it what i like about it is even if it's a longer game and you manage to survive long enough the, the tension never stops if you don't maintain the shields if you don't get the engines going yeah if you don't get rid of that latest thing where we can't be in the it's oh the captain <sighs> is dead's great and the reason i ended up owning it I'm at Gen Con. We mentioned Gen Con earlier, 50,000 people. Are we going this August? Yeah, we are going this August. Are we? And I'm at whatever booth where whoever the designer is of, of, or the publisher of The Captain is Dead. And somebody just walks up to me, some, you know, random person is like, just won't stop talking about how great this game is. You absolutely have to play it. You know, do you have enough friends? Because the game wants to play with like four to eight people. Right. And, you know, just sometimes you, it's, you can do this in in a record store too. You get somebody, that sees you pick up an album and they're like, Oh, this, I love this album. Right, oh, right, right, right. That All the time, literally the every moment. time. That is the moment for the captain is dead for well, me. And I, I'm like, all right, I'm buying it on your enthusiasm. You pulled it. And I, I gotta be honest, I share that person's enthusiasm and I, I'm glad that sort of unlikely, but wondrous junction in space time happened. Yeah. That was a great moment. So let me ask you this before we get to one or two last games and call her a show. I mean, like, do you play, so these games we talk about, about how advanced they've gotten and how much smarter they've gotten and how much more enjoyable and engaging they've gotten. I mean, you played a lot of the same old square games back in the day, right? Um, Yeah. You know, I didn't love them, but, you Shoots know. Shoots and I, Ladders? Oh, well, that was the worst. The but, Game yeah, of Life? Life? Life wasn't half bad. I played Life growing up as a kid. Did you? Yeah. Because that game, really, I get to buy insurance? What fun. <laughs> oh, I have two kids in my car. Hey, how much does it great. cost per kid? <laughs> Little did yeah. I know that that might be the most valuable, that might be more important than anything I learned in school is playing the game of life. I mean, did you play like Trouble and Sorry? Yeah, I, you know, I did, but I you didn't, said I didn't earlier love any of that. You said that you're setting Clue to the side, though. Yeah. Why Clue? I thought Clue, Clue to me was uh, way more fun, strategic mm. than, than the other ones. And you can, there's a metagame inside of every game of Clue. Right. If you recall, 
include, you know, you move you move your piece around, you go into the study, right? Professor Plum's right by the study, so Professor Plum heads to the study, and Sean's Professor Plum. Yeah. And then Sean will make Sean will make an accusation <laughs> accusation on his turn. Yeah. Right? It has to be the study because you're in the uh-huh. study. And then he'll say Mrs. White with the candlestick in the study. She's even holding the candlestick on her card. <laughs> I, I, the, the, I think she is she actually is, in the no, card. No, she hundred percent is. Yeah. And um and so, you know, Sean then, you know, you'll slide Sean, Mrs. White if you've got Mrs. White or the candlestick if you've got it or the study if you've right. got it. But then for the other person that's not involved, the people that are involved. I learn a lot by what Sean's asking, right? Oh, yeah. Why is Sean asking? That's, that's, the, that's the whole yeah. game. Yeah, if Sean's, yeah, yeah. Sean's got Mrs. White, why are you asking yes. about Mrs. White? Yeah. And then... To me, that's the whole game right there. That's a... Well, but yeah, you have that's a, a but, lot I mean, it. but it's a lot to remember, but you have to... Well, you have to realize what people that's have what asked before. I jotted it down. Well, and here's the other thing, is in that game, it's really crucial that you hide your little notepad yes. as mm-hmm. deeply as possible, because people are Cheating like, bastards. oh, he's up there. Oh, Professor Plum. Yep. Right? And it's like... Well, that and I don't like to do that. I like to play games by the rules. That actually matters to me a lot. But if I saw that too, you just actually. crossed off the kitchen, settle down. Um, <laughs> I, like because the, the study's way at the bottom of the pad. Oh, so if you at so if, if the answer, I don't know what card you slid him. But yeah. if I see Sean down scratch at off at the bottom of his pad, he's doing something okay, at the bottom the of his pad. That's the study. I, well, so now I know. Also, now I know the card you just slid him. That's also part of being a sleuth and a excellent detective the metagame oh my goodness the met wait a minute is there a metagame happening right now while we're doing this podcast <laughs> there is. you're freaking me out i don't need a ray bradbury theater right here before we call this a wrap um i don't know where you want to end but i do have to mention that so i always loved games growing up played a million of them mm-hmm. right payday i mean like all these li- bonkers anybody remember yep. bonkers yep where you put the little tiles down as you made your oh my goodness Stratego. 10 back to any Stratego? I have <laughs> an most amazing collectible wooden box Stratego with really? all wooden pieces on wow. the inside at home. Do I remember Stratego? Wow. Show you my spy here in a minute. <laughs> I, had, right? I had no idea you had, you had collector's I, edition Stratego. I don't have collector. Here's the thing, Sean. This guy, <laughs> this guy has a bigger game closet yeah. than anyone I know. It's literally like if someone's like, oh, here, come in and look at my shoe collection. Like, And it would be like a Kardashian-sized shoe collection. It's that big a walk-in closet. And anytime, feel free to stop me anytime that I'm telling the untruth, Paul. Three, four, five levels of nothing but literally the best games that that exist right now. And, you know, and a good long history. It's sort of turning into a sort of trinity college library <laughs> historical <laughs> reference of games tell me i'm wrong paul um well tell me i'm wrong you're, you're not wrong it's probably 300 deep but it's it doesn't it pales next to your music collection but that's not the same thing and, and the the other part that i have regrets now years you know now years you know roughly are you embarrassed years, by some of the, the pieces that are on the shelf some of them are just bad games and a lot oh. of times I'll be like, well, this game's kind of interesting, and here it is at $12, and it's normally exactly. 38 bucks. so yeah, you know, I'll get it, maybe someday I'll play it. Bring, and then I don't. But then, like, bringing back the record analogy, the number of things I'm like, seven bucks? I got seven bucks, I'll buy it, that I haven't listened to. Mm. Oh, So you know what I'm talking long about. Long as a limo, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you exactly. You know what I'm talking about. All right, but the one thing I do want to mention is, for all the games you and I have played together, the fact that Return of the Dark Tower is out is brilliant, oh, right? It's so I mean, good. the original Dark Tower there was there hadn't been anything like it. It mm-hmm. would do the little, brrr, yeah. 
yeah. a physical was, tower in the was, middle of your game board. It was ter- that spun and suddenly yeah. told you what you were fighting. This new one, the upgrades they've made, the nature of the gameplay, love that. And that's one of my favorite things you've probably, probably my most recent favorite thing you've introduced me to. But by far, the all-time greatest game I have ever played, a board game, that you introduced me to is Eldritch Horror. That's great. And I hope you don't mind that we end here, but this no. game this game matters so much to me. A, it's like the board game Risk. We're but, big world map. The board is a, uh, there is we a, are. Yeah. Is a globe. That's yeah. what I mean. So yeah. we're not playing Risk. There aren't armies. You are characters from the 1920s, early 1920s, if you're playing the traditional way, that you could be anything. You could be a decrepit professor with a great knowledge in whatever this is, or you could be an international martial arts expert, or literally anything, anything, and that's the joy of this game. And then you go around the world trying to shut down ancient evil and close interdimensional gates, and I know that I sound like a Dorcas Malarcus right now, but I know (laughs) that Sean appreciates that I really mean it. This is my favorite board game of all time, Elder Chor. Yeah, it's so fun. And it's it takes it's a cooperative game that you can play with up to eight people. Every person you add adds on an hour. Yep. And so if you're gonna play the full bore oh, wow. eight person version of this game. Which we have. We have many times. Yep. It is it's an eight hour labor of love that we that usually spans two days right. of play. You take a break and, and yep, then you come back. Called sleeping. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> when you're an avid indoorsman like Brian, oh, you know, this is the perfect type of thing. This is the time of year where I really start to nurture nurture that fish belly white appearance <laughs> right. that I'm going for. I, li- I like it if you can see just a couple blue veins popping through my skin. <laughs> really know I've gotten to my spot. Anyway, we are going to be doing that soon. Um, we have to do this again because we didn't really even kind of scratch the surface. We I covered know. a lot we of could cool stuff. We do a whole stuff. other show on board games someday. <sighs> Should we do a board games podcast? Hey. Bring a sponsor to the table and we'll <laughs> talk right. about it, all right? Yeah. Before we go, my thanks to Smart Start MN. My thanks to Moxie Wealth Management. You can find them at moxiewealthmanagement.com. Recommended. My thanks to Sean Bernard. Thank you, Brian Oak. Audio Quip. They've made the studio what it is today, as well as our Patreon members. We've had two in the last two months. New ones. What? People are still listening to this? Episode 290 of The Brian Oak Show. Uh, and my thanks to my good friend and constant ally, Paul Charchin. Good to see you, man. Great to see you as well. The last song coming up. Oh, we're about to get to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Have I thanked everybody? You did thank everybody. All right, time to go. What do we got? Uh, this is a... I picked this song specifically because you and I have a oh. shared joy of the band, Joy Formidable. Still, we still remember the very first time I saw them and the number... We've gone to see them a couple times. Yeah, you and I have, have gone to shows together to see them a few times. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's such a wonderful three-piece band, uh, Welsh, and they are absolute rockers. And I love that. One of the things that, that I love through most of my songs, or that's the bands that I love, are the ones that let their instruments do the the, the talking for right. a lot mm-hmm. of these songs. Right. This is their signature song called Warring. Um, you've heard it a hundred times. I've heard it a hundred times. But it doesn't ever diminish in its glory. It's like, the, you know, the, the, I don't know, the Hope Diamond or whatever. It never stops shining no. like it does because there's the jangle. And despite the chaos that erupts in this song, they never lose. It's one of the reasons I love Husker Du, another amazing power trio. They never lose sight of the fact there's a song going on here. We're doing a thing. We can jam out all we want, but it better serve a greater good. And halfway through this song, Worrying, it just goes off. It goes off the rails and just goes bonkers. And, and I fabulous. love it. Couldn't you agree know, the, more. They're the first half. It's about a. It's a six-ish, seven-ish minute song. Huh. Six forty-seven. Six forty-seven. The first half of it's pretty standard fare. 
And then it just goes bonkers. And I, God, I, I love this song. I'm not sure that Paul's okay, but it's always nice to have you back. And I'll talk <laughs> to you soon, all right? Deal. Paul Tartian, Sean Bernard, I'm Brian Oak. And here you go, the joy formidable on The Brian Oak Show.
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414. 